This episode of the Gondrepreneur Podcast is made possible by Arroya, a comprehensive cannabis production platform for commercial growers. If you are a commercial cannabis grower, you can use Arroya to level up your production workflow. Featuring a combination of precision instruments and powerful software that help you intelligently cultivate, dry, and process cannabis, the Arroya Cannabis Production Platform is your ticket to greater yields and consistent quality. Request a quote today online at arroya.io. That's A-R-O-Y-A dot I-O. Hi, I'm Kara Woodstock, culture editor at Gondrepreneur and host of our YouTube show, Fresh Cut. The best way to understand cannabis business is to speak directly to those who work within it. And Fresh Cut was created to shine recognition on the people who fill these roles. In this interview series, we focus on those with their hands in the dirt, both literally and figuratively, from cultivators to bud tenders, educators to advocates, activists to lobbyists. We aim to illuminate the workers who keep this industry thriving. Enjoy one-on-one conversations with me and guests by watching along on the Gondrepreneur YouTube channel and follow our social channels to keep up with the latest episodes. Have a great day. Hey there, I'm your host, TG Brandfault, and thank you for listening to the Gondrepreneur.com podcast, where we try to bring you actionable information and normalize cannabis through the stories of Gondrepreneurs, activists, and industry stakeholders. Today, I have finally completed my near five-year mission to get somebody from Alaska on this show. I'm, I'm delighted to be joined by Chris Ray. He's the general manager of Anchorage, Alaska's Treehouse. Uh, Chris has worked in the state's cannabis industry since August of 2016 how you doing man good how are you i'm very very well like i said you know it's, it's great to have uh somebody representing alaska finally uh, on the show i have a lot of questions uh that i, I think a lot of people uh, have, have been sort of asking me about so it's when i finally get to have answers for them but before we get into that man tell me about yourself your background and and how you ended up in the cannabis space um, so yeah, before we hopped on here, like I was t- telling you, um, I started doing the retail thing when I, uh, after I went to college, I went to university of Idaho for a year, um, tried to, you know, figure out what I wanted to do with life, realized a four year school wasn't really for me. So I kind of bounced around between Washington, Hawaii, and then I ended up in Missouri, um, just started working retail down there for a few years. And I got a call from one of my old, uh, basketball coaches from back in my high school days. And uh, he said that he was starting a cannabis retail in uh, Fairbanks and he wanted my help. And so August of 2016 rolled around. I moved up there, uh, helped him out in the cultivation and then helped him out in the retail. Um, Got that going October of 2016. And then I was with them until about April of 2017. And then I went over and joined uh, Grass Station 49 at Fairbanks. Um, They started off with just one location. We expanded to two more in Fairbanks, so three total. Um, within the first uh, two and a half years. And then we opened a store in Nome uh, shortly after that. And then once we opened up that store in Nome, um, I got a call from a buddy of mine here in Anchorage who was starting up a retail. Um, and he had already had a cultivation going. He's big in the local hip hop scene, um, which really um, kind of uh, gained my, my interest and my attention. 
And then that's when I came down here and started working for the treehouse. And so we just opened up in July of last year. So 2020. So I haven't been open for a year yet. Just been kind of, you know, working through the kinks and trying to get everything going. So that's kind of where we're standing now. So what, you know, you say that you started in sort of the early, you know, cultivation retail, and now you're helping sort of build a store as a, as a general manager. What were some of the challenges for you when you were making that transition? Um, I think the the biggest challenge is like, it's never been done before, you know, the cannabis retail. So essentially everything that you're doing and learning, um, it, it comes with taking some L's here and there, some, some learning lessons. Um, I think the hardest part though, for me is, uh, trying to find like the right people to fit in because I think everyone who smokes and who's a stoner wants to be in the industry, (laughs) but you'll notice that everyone that smokes in a stoner usually doesn't have the work ethic or, you know, the, the know-how to show up on time or to do things like that, like the little simple things. Um, so that, that was a big eye opener, um, realizing that everyone couldn't really fit that, fit that mold. Um, but once you get around the whole, uh, staffing, cause we're in Alaska, so there's not very many people. Um, I mean, there are people, but there's not a whole <laughs> lot, like you would say in New York or in California to pick from. Um, so getting around that, once you get around that, um, just trying to find the product too. Um, cause we're a big state not a whole lot of people. There's a lot of cultivations, but you're talking about anywhere from when, when I was in Fairbanks, for instance, having to get stuff from Valdez, that's a whole day and a half trip, you know, a drive down six to eight hours. And then you're talking about getting the product there. Well, now you're not going to drive back because you've been driving all day. So now you're waiting for the next day to come back. So if there's any construction, which, you know, in, in the summer in Alaska, they call it construction season. <laughs> um stopping all the time um winter times you've got the snow snowstorms where you can't travel through um it, it it makes it really difficult when it comes to the whole transportation and i'd say a hiring aspects of things well i had read once uh, this very unique story about uh, somebody it was when the the alaska market was first sort of coming online and and i guess a lot of places in alaska you can only get to by aircraft yeah, so like a lot of those other places like Juno or Ketchikan, like uh, my buddy Jason, he runs Frog Mountain uh, CO2 extraction. Um, I've been working with him for a few years now, and he's got to fly to Anchorage, you know, twice, three times a month just to get product to people. So at that point, now you're trying to get on schedule with all these retails to see when you can deliver, when you can't deliver. And, you know, if you know anything about ordering and stuff like that, sometimes you got money, sometimes you don't. So if someone's like, hey, I'm coming up on the 30th, but you just put in two huge orders for the 25th. It's like, all right, now I got to kind of juggle these around because you know he's only coming up this one time. The next time you're going to see him is on the 15th or on the 20th, you know? So, um, yeah, flying by ear is crazy. Has anyone come into any issues with, you know, sort of regulatory bodies or anything because cannabis remains federally outlawed and you have to get on a a plane with it? Or is there anything? So from what I, from my experience and like doing the transports and what I've run into with the airlines, um, as long as you're straight and up front with them and you have all your paperwork and it's all manifested and you have it on your persons, um, they'll go through, they'll take you to a room, they'll check you out, make sure everything's good to go. As long as your paperwork is correct, they send you through. Um, at, at that point, when I go through TSA, I feel like they're looking for explosives, you know, all the necessaries that they should be looking for. Um, when I'm trying to do my job and run, run a business, and I have paperwork from the state that says I'm legally allowed to fly through or transport this. There's nothing they can really do about it. Um, now, of course, they can stop us and be like, hey, we don't, feel, we don't feel like this is safe for you flying today. But I haven't seen that happen with anyone. So 
I popped on I popped on one of the local airliners with you know twenty thirty thirty thousand dollars worth of uh, concentrates, and oh yep, all good. And you know I've got families on the plane sitting in front of me and behind me, and I'm just loading up all this stuff on the aircraft, and it is what it is. So, I mean that, that's unlike any no one else no no other operator nah. in any other state has to deal with something like that. Um, can can you tell you know the the audience a bit more about Alaska's cannabis law and what if anything sets it apart from some of the ones in the continental United States? Um, I think the thing where we're very different is like in California, for instance, when you have medical, you have shops that are accessible to go get your your medicine and to do what you need to do. Um, in Alaska, medical pass years years ago i want to say like 96 i could be wrong um but it passed years ago and we have no medical setup to where anyone can go and and buy their own stuff everything's like all right you're medically set up here's a card you can grow but in the state of alaska it's already legal for you to grow so the only thing it's really doing is like if you're a minor and you need it then you can have someone grow for you Oh, but you still can't be like, hey, I need to go to the shop. Here's my med card. Do I get like a percentage off or is there a certain selection that I can go to? We don't have any of that. So like in Alaska, if you're 21, you have a legal ID, you can come shop. Your medical card means nothing. And even if you have a medical card, yeah, you can grow. But guess what? Like me and my buddy, we're legally 21. We're allowed to grow in the house. So um, it's it's very different in that aspect. You would think there'd be something set up to where people could actually use that that medical card to go use it and, you know, do something positive with it, but all they can really do is what they're already allowed to do. So, um, but other than that, you know, the regulations we're allowed to buy uh, up to seven grams of concentrate uh, per purchase per day. Um, I know in Washington, you're not allowed to do that. Um, so like we're allowed to get these like cool little baller jars with seven grams of concentrate in Washington. They only get these like little itty bitty ones. Yeah, and in Massachusetts, it's the same way. You can't get more than a gram. Yeah, which, I mean, if you have someone who smokes a lot, you're going to be done with that gram by the time lunch is over. <laughs> Basically. Um, now, now, you say that you that you grow your own and, and you have to grow uh, indoors. Is there an outdoor growing season for cannabis in Alaska? I mean, yeah, you know, so we have legal we have legal outdoor growth. So there's one in Fairbanks. Um, what, what is it called? Uh, Fox Creek. Uh, Fox Creek Farms or something like that. Uh, Rosy Creek Farms. They're outdoor. They only harvest in the uh, once at the end of the summer. That's all they do. Uh, entire winter time, they just you know clean up, process, make six packs, make joints. Uh, I, I don't. Me personally, I don't think it's very lucrative. But then again, I don't have an outdoor grow, so what do I know? <laughs> um, but I just know in Alaska, like once that permafrost sets come end of summer and it starts getting cold. Like if you don't have that stuff planted in time, like right now where it's still getting cold out uh, in the springtime, like you're not going to be able to harvest in time. Um, but some people do have like the greenhouses that are enclosed, like get the sunlight and then it's fixed, it's fixated with the AC inside. So if it gets too hot, it can cool down a little bit. Um, yeah. So there are some assisted grows like that. Um, lots of people that are like just locals grow outdoor if they have a big backyard or um, auto flower plants on, on the back deck are very popular. Uh, I know lots of people who do that. Um, okay, are are you allowed in some states you can't sell clones? Is that something you're allowed to do in Alaska? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So if you're a retailer and you have a cultivation, you're allowed to sell your clones. Um, I know some places do it on the regular. Some places don't do it at all because they don't want that risk of, you know, you taking a clone and going home and be like, oh man, you gave me spider mites or, oh man, I got PM and I didn't get PM till I brought homeless clone. Like, 
and then they blame it on the retail. So, or the cultivation for that matter. Gotcha. The, the, we, we, we've talked about some of the challenges uh, that, that you face, you know, when, when I asked you earlier about the flying and that sort of stuff, what are some of, you know, the unique benefits to you think running uh, a, a cannabis shop in Alaska? Um, I, I feel like you get a lot more personable with the customers. Um, Cause you know, you, you have your, your select fan base, not fan base, but customer base that like your store um, in California. I'd, I'd imagine you probably have somewhere closer, like 500 to a thousand transactions a day. Um, at a busy shop in town, you know, you're probably looking at like 200 to 400, maybe. So those people that are coming in, you're seeing the same faces every day. You're able to get, you know, up close and personal with those people, learn about them, uh, really find out what they're like and what they, what they're looking for and really cater to their needs versus just on a huge, you know, corporation scale, buying everything on the map that you can, because, you know, it sells or because the the computer tells you that it, it's doing good. Um, so yeah, I'd say that's one of the main big benefits about being in Alaska. Well, and you, you talk about you know the computer and and mm -hmm. you know you you do use data um, at the treehouse and and could you tell me a bit about how you use that data and, and how that data translates to enhance the customer experience? Yeah, so like right now we use Growflow for a point of sale. Um, I started using it back in I want to say 2018 is when we switched over at Grass Station when I was there. Um, my biggest thing for like uh, a bud tender to come in and to use the system is I need it to be simple and I need it to like be like their iPhone, for instance, or their Android. Like they can get on it. They can find their text messages, type it out, hit send, it's done. Um, when we use Growflow to find out those those analytics and that information that we need for the retail, um, using their insights tool that they have to tap in to see, all right, when are our, when are our most transactions going through? Is opening up at 8 a.m. on Saturday, Sunday worth it? Um, we found out that it wasn't on the weekends for us, but Monday through Friday, we have a bunch of early risers that are there right at 8 a.m. as soon as we open up the doors, almost like in their morning coffee. So from that aspect, that really helped us uh, tap in with that and get that opened up because um, we were wasting a bunch of payroll hours, you know, on certain shifts and certain days where we had three people scheduled to where, you know, we look at growth flow and say, hey, you know, from noon to one, you're only doing this much. Maybe you only need two people instead of three. So um, it's been really good in that aspect. Was it surprising to you that you had a bunch of people sort of waiting outside at 8 a.m. on, you know, during the week? Um, for me, no, because when I was in Fairbanks, that was one of the first like big changes that I did was I was like, hey, you know, it's cool to open up at 10. I get that. But there's people who wake up at 6 a.m. that run out of weed the night before, wake up at 6 a.m. and only have a bowl. And they got to be at work at nine. So when we open up at eight, they just got their coffee. Now they're here. Let me get a couple of pre-rolls real quick. Or, you know, some folks only have a 30 minute lunch. So when they get out, when they get on a lunch at 12, they don't want to spend 10 minutes driving to the shop, waiting in line, waiting in line for five to 10 minutes, and then trying to whiz back to work. So if they can come in at 8 a.m. and get what they need. Now they can enjoy that lunch that they have at 12, smoke that pre-roll all right, I got 10, 15 minutes to eat my food now and to like recover and to go back inside. So um, that was one of my big eye openers right there and kind of why I knew it would work. Um, it was just on the weekends, you know, people go out Friday night, get hammered or whatever they might do, you know, smoke a whole lot and then they don't wake up till 9, 10 a.m. the next morning, especially if it's their day off, so. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 
in nowhere i mean in new york we just went legal we don't have shops yet and so we yeah. go to massachusetts but we you know i mean they don't open in massachusetts until at least nine most of them 10 11 so yeah i i wonder if i wonder how much they might be doing the same thing you are trying to figure out you know when these uh when the best time for them uh to be open is there any uh other way that using the data changed your operations yeah, with the top sellers and the and the top suppliers. Um, when I first started using it, it was top brands. And then I know I, I talked, I can't remember who I talked to within the company, but I was like, hey, like we really don't use the brands portion, but if you can make it top suppliers, that would be 10 times helpful because everything that pulls in through metric is going to pull the supplier name and the cultivation. So off the rip, if you can just tell me which suppliers are doing the best, that'll tell me which ones I need to really order from and then that really helps out with your whole ordering on a big scale. Um, you know, who you need to spend what money with or who's getting the large orders and who's getting the smaller orders because a cultivation might have eight strains, but only one of them selling really well on your shelf, which there's nothing wrong with that. I just know that I need to buy lots of that one and have that one. So it's never running out because that's one of the top five sellers. Um, same thing with the, uh, with the products, you know, whether it be a vape cartridge or, you know, shatter, uh, loud resin, whatever it might be. Um, you know, I really might like uh, refine and loud resin, but it, it's only selling, you know, 2000 to $3,000 worth of stuff in the, in the shop per two weeks. But, you know, Frog Mountain or someone else is selling, you know, five to six. And that's not my favorite. And that still tells me that I need to go with Frog Mountain a little bit more versus what I like, which at the retail side, um, that'll kill anyone quicker than, than something else will is just ordering what you like um it's like going to a restaurant there's 20 things on the menu for a reason you know what i mean um, you might not like pasta but someone else might come in and that's what they're looking forward to so and what are the you know you've, you've been in the industry since uh, you know for so basically for what seven years now six years um, yeah i was pacalo's first employee <laughs> What do you what do you uh, what do you think is or what have you noticed is through the data is the most popular sort of form maybe not brand but is it flowers it concentrates because state by pre -rolls. state it differs pre rolls pre rolls yeah um, I would have thought like me personally I love buying flour and rolling it up myself but um, there are so many people on the go in Alaska whether they're going fishing camping um, whether they're driving, you know, on a six hour trip to go somewhere up north or going on a road trip, because um, everywhere in Alaska, you got to drive to get there. So you're looking at no more than, you know, or no less than an hour drive somewhere. Yeah. Um, so I, I feel like people just drive traveling a lot and being on the go on those six packs and those four packs that we sell um, and just pre rolls and all just take over the market. Um, there's lots of good flour out there and there's lots of good concentrates, but you know, people from concentrates, there's, there's only a select few that use them. Yeah. Um, so you, you mentioned people having to uh, travel, you know, and, and as we discussed before we, we went on, you yeah. know, Alaska is one of those places that I really would love to visit very, very much considered moving there at one point, what portion of your customers are tourists and, and what role does tourism play in your bottom line ultimately? So when I was in Fairbanks, um, tourism played, I'd say like, during the summertime, about a good 30 to 40% of your customers are tourists. That much. You got, you got people coming up. They're, they're trying to just see what it's like in the summertime, trying to enjoy themselves. Um, in the wintertime, I'd say it dies down a little bit because um, not many people want to come deal with the cold, but they want to see the lights, especially in Fairbanks. Um, now, when I got to Anchorage, um, 
we kind of opened up right before the pandemic. So the whole tourism thing, it really hasn't kicked into full gear, or I don't even know if it will this summer. Um, I know Alaska's offering the vaccine to um, anyone that comes to Alaska and wants to get it. Um, so that might bring some tourism up. But at the Treehouse, I really haven't seen that, that in full scale yet. But from Fairbanks, um, in that summertime, I'd say a good 30 to 40 percent in the summertime and then probably about 20, maybe 25 percent in the wintertime. Um, but a lot of it's just your your diehard locals that want to come through and support local businesses. Do you guys have that corporate culture up there that is sort of permeated in other states? We have a couple, a couple of shops up here that have kind of, you know, taken that, you know, that bigger, like, all right, we're going to, we're going to, you know, take a larger footprint. We want three cultivations. We want four retails. There's a couple of like that. Um, not a whole lot. Um, I'd say for the most part with us being in Alaska, everything still seems like small craft for the most, uh, for, yeah, for the most part, but um yeah, I hope it doesn't come in here like that. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, you're 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 super fortunate because the idea of you know an entire market being a craft market is it's re- yeah. it's really unheard of, yeah. uh, you know, uh, down here. Um, now you, there you, are a lot of cultivations like where there's, I, I feel like there's a lot more mid grade weed that out, you know, it outweighs the the good weed that that's out there for sure. And some of those guys that have, you know, two, three cultivations, you know, if they're putting out a lot of, you know, mid-grade stuff, those smaller guys that only have the one cultivation, um, sometimes they get overlooked. And, and you find them through data, right? Oh, you, you have to. You have to, yeah. <laughs> you know, you mentioned, you mentioned that you just started sort of, uh, you know, that the treehouse just opened around, you know, the time that, that COVID hit. So, so the pandemic obviously didn't change your operations that much at the treehouse, but I mean, when, when, when that did hit, you know, what did you have to do? What did the industry have to do in Alaska, uh, to, to, to deal with that? So the industry actually opened up uh, curbside pickups. Um, they didn't open up for delivery, but they did allow us to do some curbside pickups. Um, us at the treehouse where we're at, we didn't feel comfortable doing the, you know, walking outside with product and dropping it off to people. Um, so we kind of just went with the whole social distancing, um, you know, cleaning on the hour, every hour, wiping down everything. Um, thankfully with our shop, you know, we only have about 10 to 12 employees. So um, keeping everyone, you know, safe and healthy for the most part, we were good. Um, we didn't have any, like anyone break out with any cases or anything like that. Um, but the, the industry as a whole, um, with that, with them doing the curbside pickup, I feel like it helped out a lot of shops um, because a lot of shops don't have the floor space that we do to where people can come in and be, you know, distance. Um, so for them to walk out real quick and all right, here you go. Boom, boom, boom. You already paid for it. All right. Thank you. You know, make it real quick for them. I feel like it made some of the customers and the consumers feel safer about coming to get their product. Um, but once it kind of lacks up a little bit, I feel like people are, you know, they're, they're looking forward for things to opening back up and being able to come back in and see the big jars of weed and, and smell them and, you know, have a more hands-on experience. I feel like that's why most people come to the shop is to have that hands-on experience. Yeah. I mean, and P, and P, it, it definitely had to sort of change the people, the way that people were buying cannabis, right? Did you notice any sort of, um, yeah, um, I, we thought sales might slow down a little bit because, you know, people not wanting to leave the house or whatever it may have been. But with us being uh, an essential worker um, in the state of Alaska, um, 
business stayed the same, if not got better. Um, a lot of people came out, they were willing to spend more money because they only wanted to come, you know, once or twice a week versus the four times they were coming. Um, you had some people who were just at home more, so they had, weren't going out as much. So they were smoking more. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure anyone, you know, who's a smoker knows how that goes. If you don't have to leave the house or, you know, <laughs> go check in or, you know, meet with anyone, you're just smoking up because it's there. So, um, you know, business stayed pretty, pretty steady, pretty good. Um, it was a good time. It definitely some learning lessons, uh, you know, as far as, you know, how to pivot when a pandemic hits. Um, that was definitely my first time working through something <laughs> like that. Um, just following the guidelines of the state of Alaska and stuff like that. So, and this general manager, I mean, you were the one that basically had to implement all this stuff. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's tough, you know, when you, you want, you know, some places are going overboard with it to where they're only allowing, you know, five people in the store at a time to where, you know, some shops are like, all right, you know, people can come in as long as we're distance. So, you know, kind of putting it on the bud tenders a little bit like, Hey, if you see it getting packed in here, you know, allow some people to wait outside in the hallway. Um, but thankfully our bartenders are pretty good. They're pretty quick. Um, so keeping the the constant flow within the shop and we have an entrance one way to uh, exit the, the other way. So just kind of keeping that traffic streamlined and not having a whole lot of people pass by each other was, was a good thing. Has, 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 has the pandemic affected sort of your ability to uh, keep, get or, or retain uh sort of the sort of the, the the employees because uh in you know down here it's it's everybody is hiring all the time now because yeah. right you know the the unemployment check is is good yeah. has that been something that you faced as well um no the, the only thing that we really faced is you know like some employees you know they might get a job offer from uh, a job that offers them medical benefits or something like that to where it's like hey i'm gonna go take this job you know because i need the benefits or um Hey, I'm going to go take this job because I only have to deal with, you know, five people now instead of 200. Um, but never did I have anyone be like, Hey, you know, I, I don't feel safe working because of the pandemic or COVID or anything like that. Um, like I said, we have a lot of space in our shop. So even the bud tenders, like from register to register, there's a good four to six feet. Um, and then for, from the customer to the employee, it's already a good four feet. So just to add another two feet to that. Um, I feel like it made everyone feel uh, pretty safe. I mean, I mean, it's it's good to hear that you guys did particularly well, you know, just with health and, and being able to manage the pandemic. One of the things that I always found interesting uh, about sort of Alaska's cannabis law was was that they were early adopters of allowing or eventually allowing social use. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of states have since then uh, either enacted their own law or included it in their own uh, reforms. Uh, how do you think lounges will affect uh, the, the industry? Um, I'm, I'm very like curious to see how it's going to go. Um, one of the first ones just opened up in Fairbanks, um, but I don't know if you know, but it kind of varies from city to city with the rules on what you can consume. So like in Anchorage, they put it out to where, all right, if you get an endorsement for the on-site, you're only allowed to consume edibles. Well, in, in Alaska, the max uh, for edibles is 50 milligrams per package. So, yeah, exactly. So I, I don't see very many people be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go over here today and go buy some cookies and go sit down and eat these cookies. Like, that, I just don't see that being lucrative to anyone. Um, but like in Fairbanks, they have it to where you can buy up to a gram of flour from that place and you can smoke it there. 
so like the place in Fairbanks that's open, um, they have, you can walk in there, the cafe TVs, it's kind of like an old, you know, it's, uh, it's an old Chili's building. So kind of imagine like a Chili's walk in there, you know, you get you your coffee or your smoothie or whatever you buy a pre-roll one gram pre-roll or buy one gram thing of flour and you can roll it up yourself, smoke that and then leave. Um, I'm just kind of curious though, like if cops are going to sit around the corner, you know, like they do at new bars and new bars open up or something like that and kind of camp out. So, um, I, I think it'll be cool, but I'm, I'm very curious to see how it'll all pan out in the end. Um, I love the idea of an old Chili's being able to smoke weed dude, old Chili's. Yeah. It, it's got a grow in there. It's got a, a little cafe and then they got the retail on the other side. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty big. That's great use of space, man. There's an old pizza yeah. here. I hope they do the same thing here. Um, are are you guys planning? You said you have a big space. Are you guys planning to try to get that endorsement or? Um, I think if Anchorage were to ever change it to where like you could smoke flour or you know consume concentrates, then I think it would be worth the conversation. But like just how it is right now with just the edibles, I don't think it it makes sense because you have to have like a state of the art ventilation, but. I don't know why you'd have to have a say the art ventilation if there's only edibles allowed. Um, so yeah, it, it just doesn't make sense right now. Is the beverage game strong up there? Um, it's, it's pretty, in comparison to like Washington, it's pretty weak or like California, it's pretty weak. Um, there are a couple of good like beverage companies up here, like fire eater. Um, they make a, so they make a few different sodas. Um, Red run makes a lemonade that, you know, a lot of people tend to like um but other than that there's really not very many drinks um and again that that can that counts as an edible so the entire soda can only be 50 milligrams so So, i know most people most people are looking for like 100 you know 250 milligram drink because they want to drink half of it and store the rest of it for later or something yeah i mean in in um in michigan when i was in michigan the max was actually 10 milligrams wow yeah, on a, on a, on a beverage, and that was actually yeah. medical too. Um, but then you could get at the same time you could also get basically like syrup uh, yep. that that was five hundred milligrams a bottle, and that was a good time. It's, yeah, see, like we have the syrup, <laughs> but again, the syrup it counts as an edible, so it can only be fifty milligrams. So there's a public comment out right now to raise that from fifty to hundred to see how that goes. I'm hoping they do. Um, enough people have voiced their opinions about it. Um, so I think that's on the next meeting or the next agenda uh, to see if they're going to push that through. And if that does, I think that'll open up the edible game a little bit to where uh, more people want to come in and, and experiment with edibles and try them. Because I know right now, like 50 milligrams to a you know 100 you know 200 pound man, you know, it's really it's not going to do much. Yeah, I mean, on the on the flip side, though, if you're worried about police also sitting around outside, you know, you you, you get some you know someone who who's not used to it at all, and you know, yeah. 50s 50s a, a hard it's a good amount that's a yeah, hard ride for sure for sure, for sure. Um, so i mean you know you're you're a young dude in this industry you've you've been you know in your position now for for a little under a year but you've been in the space since 2016 you know really at the, the, the beginning uh in yeah. alaska um what's some advice that you would have for someone looking to uh get into uh the industry man um, be willing to come in and get your foot in the door any way that you can. Um, when I first came up, you know, I came up to help run the retail. So I was the assistant store manager. 
um, when I left there, you know, I had to go to a new, a new company and just to get my foot in the door there, I just came in as a packager. Um, if you're good at your job and, you know, you, you can, you know, voice your opinion here and there and, you know, the right people are, if they're willing to listen, they will. Um, but that would be my, my biggest thing is like, just be willing to get your foot in the door some way. Um, a lot of people don't want to come in and bud tend or, or package or, but a lot of the people that I know today that are, you know, in their, you know, top positions at certain companies within the state of Alaska, they all came in and, you know, they bud tended for a year, year and a half, you know, they packaged or they, they watered and trimmed for a year, you know, they did the little things to kind of, you know, study, you know, the people around them moving and making the bigger decisions. So when the time came to where they needed someone else to make those decisions, they kind of already been watching and it's a lot easier to teach. Um, I feel like a lot of people come in on their high horse and want to be, a, you know, a manager, a, you know, a key holder, you know, someone of importance right away instead of coming in and just, you know, taking it easy and learning a little bit. It's a brand new industry in a lot of places. Um, there's a lot of room to grow and companies are just going to keep popping out right and left. So if you're doing your job at the one place and they got nothing but good things to say about you, a lot of these other places are going to come to you, you know, knocking at your door, looking for it, looking to build with you um, instead of just having you be someone coming in, making 15 an hour, showing up for 30 hours a week and clocking in and clocking out. So, And, and maybe have showed up on time, right? Hey, and you hope so, um, <laughs> man, you'd be surprised, dude. You'd really be surprised. I worked in the bong industry for a very long time, yeah. but you can't be surprised. Man, it's just like <laughs> people want more and they, you know, they want to raise or something, but you can't show up on time six out of the six days out of the week, you know, seven days out of the week. It's like, it's really not hard to show up five minutes before your shift. If you've got it to where you're flexible and you can show up whenever, then by all means, like do that. But usually when you're a bud tender or a packager, it's like, hey, your shift starts at four. So like be ready to work at four, not show up at 359, take your hat off, take your jacket off, go use the bathroom. And then by the time you come out in front of like counter drawer, it's like 410. It's like, dude, where you been? <laughs> that that will not get you far in the cannabis industry in Alaska or anywhere else, I don't think. Um no. Where, Chris Ray, can people find out more about you and more about the, the treehouse? Um, so all of my social medias are at Sean Hemp underscore. So that's Sean, S-H-A-W-N-H-E-M-P underscore. That's like my weed moniker. Um, I've been rolling with it for a little bit now. Um, but that's pretty much where I post anything that I like, you know, local cannabis, uh, Lots of lots of buddies of mine that grow, um, lots of rec stuff that I try for the first time, stuff like that. So I'm I'm pretty active on there. Um, but the Treehouse, all of our uh, social medias are the Treehouse AK, uh, and then we have our website, thetreehouseak.com. Um, that pretty much has our deals, our menu, um, what we've got going on. Um, we try to keep that up to date. And then the story on Instagram uh, for the Treehouse is pretty pretty active and always shows like what's going on in the store and stuff like that. So. Well, if I ever make my way to Alaska, I'll know, I'll, I'll know where to land the plane. Yeah. If, if anyone is coming to Alaska and they, you know, they want to see some shops or, you know, smoke some good weed, come hit me up, shoot me a message on Instagram, reach out. Um, everyone in Alaska is super friendly, man. That's the one thing I love about it here. Um, it's not like going to Vegas or California. You know, there are, there are some shaky people, you know, in Alaska, don't get me wrong. But for the most part, like everyone who is involved with the weed game, uh, they're they're pretty good people so 
Well, I, you know, I, I, I really thank you for, for taking the time out and, and coming on the show and, and giving me this sort of perspective yeah. and insight because it's it's been a long time uh, that, that I've I'm been surprised trying. it took you five years. That's crazy to me, man. Uh, you know, there's like I, two or three podcasts up here that talk about marijuana, like on the local scene. There's like 30 shops. I'm just like, you, I'm you surprised. You guys are sketchy no of us mainlanders, out. right? Oh, see, man, I, I learned all my experience <laughs> down there on the mainland. So I was I was right down between Kansas City and St. Louis for, for about three, four years down there in Columbia. Columbia. I've never yeah, been, Columbia, man. Missouri. I've never been. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's an interesting place, man. Right. It's like a tunnel between Chicago, Memphis, Kansas City and St. Louis. Chicago. It's right. It's, it's right where the University of Mizzou is at. So like a lot of people come through there, a whole lot of different walks of life. That's Chris Ray. Thank you so much again. Um, you yeah. know, hopefully you can keep me posted on, uh, you know, whether or not that, that, that push works, uh, yeah. to, to get edibles, uh, the, the, the level of THC and edibles raised. Um, and hopefully we'll talk again soon, man. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. Say reach out whenever. You can find more episodes of the Contrepreneur.com podcast in the podcast section of Contrepreneur.com on Spotify and in in the Apple iTunes store. On the Contrepreneur.com website, you'll find the latest cannabis news and cannabis jobs updated daily, along with transcripts of this podcast. You can also download the Contrepreneur.com app in iTunes and Google Play. This episode was engineered by Trim Media House. I've been your host, TG Brandfault. Mm-hmm.